hello. My name is Jack, and this is the DevNoneyX podcast. It is the end of day 13, and my top tip for today is that sleep is definitely the most important factor to optimize in anything. I like to do a lot of uh, research into health and biohacking, and I think a lot of the a lot of the content out there on the internet at the moment is uh, trying to think of an, anal- an analogy. It's like um, penny rich but pound poor, if you know what I mean when I say that. It's like it's like focusing on the little things and forgetting the big thing. I, and it, I think it's, it's just because in a way it goes without saying that sleep is the most important thing. <laughs> Rest. And recovery is the most important thing. But a lot of people don't feel like they have control over it. Um, and that it, you know, we all do it. It's, it's like something that we all already do. So, yeah, it's just optimizing that. And there's a lot that you can actually do around optimizing sleep. One of the things that I've just started doing recently is... I've stopped using my bed for anything that, any activity that promotes mental alertness. So I used to, I used to blast the AC in my room. Um, I've had this habit quite quite a long time, and I used to blast the AC in my room and just, just, just lay in my bed on my laptop, working away in bed on my laptop, doing whatever, uh, coding, watching YouTube. Uh, It was just comfortable, and often I didn't have a desk or somewhere else that I could sit and I've been changing that and I've already noticed a difference. I've already noticed that my, my mindset is, is beginning to change with how, when I'm in that space, that's a relaxing space. That's a space for rest and sleep. And my desk is the space to switch on my brain, wake myself up and solve some problems. So, That is my top tip for today. Sleep is the most important thing and you can help to improve sleep with bed hygiene. Yeah. The progress update for today is uh, a little bit all over the place. On one hand, I am still harvesting and cherry picking data from Instagram. And to be honest, this is becoming a little bit of a procrastination for me now because I've trained a model that is 80% accurate or almost 80% accurate and that is good enough to get it into an app now and test it out. So I don't really need to spend any more time training the the model right now uh, because it's good enough for me to throw it in an app and start to understand the overall user experience of the app when it's running on a phone, as that is the most important thing. The end user experience is the most important thing. I know that the model is extremely important for the end user experience, uh, namely being that if the model doesn't work well enough, then the whole thing will not be viable because, I mean, it's a game. It's a competition. It, It needs to be... It needs to be, you need to feel like the app is fair. And if it's not fair, then 
uh, and it gets it wrong, it gets too many false positives or false negatives, then, uh, and it's not tracking properly, then it'll, in a way, you just, you'll lose trust in it. And, and that trust is what will make the app valuable, um, that you can trust that the data that it's collecting on, on your practice sessions is true and correct. And that it gives you accurate feedback as well when you are practicing as that will make the whole experience enjoyable and interesting and fun and motivating. So I know the model is very important, but I can al already project out into the future that this, this method, this data pipeline that I'm running uh, will work. It will get better and better with more and more data. And it really is just a matter of training it with more data. And so that's just a, that's just a, an equation of time. And right now it's not that important. But having said that, I will continue to cherry pick data from Instagram because the third party service that I use has a free tier of 15 requests per hour. And it's really annoying when you hit that, that limit to wait an hour to get more data. So I'll, I'll just keep it as a daily habit, daily data. It'll be like 15 minutes a day, get a whole bunch of videos from Instagram until I hit this free tier limit, and then that's it for the day. Uh, and if I do that every day, then eventually I'll, I'll have enough data for a production-ready model. So that's great. In a way, I, I'm procrastinating because the next step is, again, stepping into the great unknown with iOS development. I don't have really any experience developing apps for iOS. And so I don't really know where to begin, except that I'm throwing myself in the deep end here. I've got Xcode running on my MacBook, Pro, uh, MacBook Air, and I've got, luckily I've got an iPad as well. And on iPad, I have Swift Playgrounds, which seems to be a really great starting place. So I'm just getting into it and I think to get through this next step is a time equation. I need to spend a lot of time immersed in the unknown, immersed in question marks again, um, just surrounded by question marks. What is this? What does that do? How do I do this? How do I do that? What does this mean? Uh, why is this different than what I'm used to? all of those question marks and eventually I'll get comfortable again with making progress. My main priority is to get a demo app from somebody else from GitHub up and running on my Mac and probably just in the emulator for iPhone. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have an iPhone, which is kind of annoying considering I'm building an iPhone app now. But I do have an iPad, which I'm pretty lucky to have. And I think that I can do everything that I need to do with my iPad. So I'm not going to let that limit me, even though it is a bit of a limiting factor. <laughs> In the end, no one will use this app on iPad. So I will have to get an iPhone to test it on at some point. Already, I am immersing myself in Apple's developer resources. They've got a lot of interesting videos on their website, developer.apple.com. And 
it seems like every WWDC, they release a bunch of tutorials teaching developers how to use the new tools that they're putting out. They've got a bunch of videos on the, the new vision APIs, the computer vision and the core ML stuff. And so I'm, I'm tackling Apple's native resources first. And I will move on to third-party resources from from there. But it already is. It's already looking great. Like uh, there's just so much. There's so much reason. So many resources out there. And as I'm already diving into the resources, it's giving me ideas about what I can do with the app. As it's hard to design an app when you don't know what's possible using the tech. And it's always in the back of your mind, like, is this a waste of time to be ideating on features when you don't even know if they can be implemented or how expensive, time-consuming, or difficult they would be to implement? Uh, and I try to stop myself now because I used to ideate a lot and not know, <laughs> not know if it's viable at all. And so I try to, I try to stop myself now from ideating too much on things that I'm not sure are viable yet uh, and do it in reverse. Find out what's possible and then build that into the design as that seems to get me a lot more excited. Like, okay, this definitely can be done and it's not too difficult and that will improve my app, that will add more features and I can definitely add that into the roadmap, which is, yeah, which is great. So one of the things is like region of interest. Uh, in, in Apple's demo app, they have this game where you play bag toss and there's like a board, a, a wooden board with a hole cut out in it. And you basically just throw these bean bags into the hole in the board. If you hit the board, you get a point. And if you get it in the hole, you get like five points. And Apple built a demo computer vision app where you set it up on a tripod and it can read the, read the scene, find the board, find the player, and start tracking their, their throws, their points, uh, trajectory of their throw, type of throw, underarm, overarm, etc., uh, and angle of trajectory. So it tracks quite a lot and it uses a bunch of different um, APIs with the computer vision. And in, in a way, it's kind of the perfect demo app for um, showing what's possible. So I'm looking at that, reading the code, and starting to understand um, about Swift. In design land of the app, uh, cheating has been one of the main things that I've been thinking about for a long time. I, <laughs> I want it to be like a level playing field for everyone because this I want it to be like a game where you compete with your friends in a way, but you're also competing against yourself. First and foremost, Handstander is about having fun, doing movement activities, inversions, handstands. And secondly, it's a competition. It's a competitive environment to kind of uh, compete with your friends and just to bounce motivation around your friends and off your friends so that it keeps you, uh, yeah, it just keeps you on track. And so I don't want cheating to be a thing. I don't want people to cheat and to, to get all of the rewards of the app through cheating methods. However, I've, cheating is like preventing cheating is a monumental task. And I'm, I know that this is true for every game because 
if there's something to be gained, if there's a reward to be had, then people are going to cheat. They're going to find ways to cheat. And it makes it unfair for the rest of the players that play by the rules. Uh, so it's not really something that I want in the game. But it's also too difficult. There's too many potential ways that people can cheat. Uh, for example, one of the methods is using a... Let's say I don't want people to get as many points for doing a handstand if they're balancing off a wall as that requires less skill. It requires less balance, less less skill. So that, that shouldn't be rewarded equally as a handstand that's not balanced off a wall. However, someone could potentially have their balancing object outside of the video frame and then the computer vision API won't be able to see that they're balancing off something outside of the video frame. And that, could be, that, that would be really hard to prevent um, somebody cheating like this. So one, one way is that I could have a region of interest within the middle of the frame where the user has, has their, their entire body has to be visible within you know, the middle of the frame and then there's some space either side that way they couldn't be cheating with something off frame. Um, and then just using a, a person to assist them as, a, as opposed to a wall, if the, the app is locked onto one person in the frame and that's the person of interest and then it ignores all the other people, then I would have to train it separately to, uh, to detect that there's a human assisting that person in their posture. So that's another thing that could, could make it difficult to prevent cheating. And then another one is that if, if I'm turning it into a competition where uh, if you hold the longest handstand, then you get a reward, or if you, if you hold a really long handstand, rather, then you get a reward, like an achievement or something like that, then uh, if, if somebody just held their camera up against somebody's screen or a screen that was showing a handstand or a looping video of someone in a handstand, then that could confuse the computer vision AI into thinking that th that person is in, an, in a non-stop handstand. <laughs> uh, so there's so many different ways that I've already figured out that you could cheat. And it is difficult to, to build methods to prevent these, these methods of cheating. In one way, I think the easiest method to prevent all forms of cheating is just social proof that we, um, we definitely want to be seen among our peers as honest and uh, legitimate. And that if you, if, the, if you have to post, or if the app records snippets of your, of your achievements, and your achievements are video snippets that show that you cheated, then that would be a, a, a huge disincentive for people to be, to be cheating because it would, they would just be showing their friends that they cheated. Uh, and I think that's probably, in the end, maybe the easiest way to do anti-cheating uh, design in the app. And so I'm not going to worry about preventing cheating at all. I've decided that it's too big of a task and it's... <laughs> Not worth it right now. It's just too hard. I've started thinking about the metadata that goes along with handstands. 
Uh, some of the gamification features are, well, number one, it, it's, it's tracking your stats. So for each practice session that you do or each game session, let's call it, it will track total duration of handstands and total number of handstands as like the two main things that it'll track. And then it'll plot those two things in a graph for you to keep track of over time. It'll also be able to see if you attempted and then failed. So your fail to success ratio will be visible. And then you'll be able to see that improve over time as well. But on top of that, there's a little bit of metadata that I want to collect so that I can do some achievements with them. So number one, every handstand has a duration and a timestamp. So timestamp in, timestamp time stamp out, and that will be used to keep your streak active, your practice streak, and to calculate the duration of each handstand and also the total duration of your holds. And, on, and then on top of that, also the location on a map. And I'm thinking GPS coordinates because I'd love to be able to see all of the handstands that have been captured around the world on a map to see where people are practicing hand balancing the most. Uh, and to, to maybe do a bit of a competition between countries. So if, if, the, if, hand, if the handstand has a location as a piece of the metadata, then I can figure out which country is <laughs> country of handstand origin. And I can start to tally up countries against other countries. And we can get a bit of competition going between different nationalities. I haven't thought if I want it to be nationality based or GPS pin based, um, maybe both, maybe you can select your, your nationality, like for the country that you want to represent with your handstands, um, versus just where you are in the world, maybe both, uh, because I'd love to have an achievement system where you do a handstand in every country of the world and then you can like tick them off the map. That'd be, that would be pretty cool and pretty easy to implement as well. On the profile side of things, there's your profile metadata. So there's like total handstands, total duration, total practice sessions, current practice streak, and all of these things that I'd love to display on people's user profiles. I also thought of a game that could be really fun. It's the partner challenge, and it shouldn't be too difficult to implement this. The, uh, the way it works is that you have to hold a total duration of handstands together with your partner. So it's kind of like a relay, like a handstand relay, let's call it, but not a relay. It's just that you need to work together with your partner to strategically maintain a handstand between the two of you for a set duration. And there's difficulty levels that go up in time. Say it could be for two minutes, it could be for five minutes, or it could be for 10 minutes. That would be really hard. Um, and the way it works is that the, the app will take your, your session, uh, object, I suppose, and it'll stream your handstand status to a server, um, for both of you. So they'll both connect to what will probably be like a microservice on a server that just detects if there's an unbroken stream of handstands and if, if the stream breaks, then, then you lose the challenge and you have to start again or try again. Um, 
And who knows, this might even be like a fun feature to throw into a premium option because at some point I do have to find a way to monetize this app if I want it to be successful in the long term. So that could be a fun fun game to throw into a premium premium version. And of course, you'll get a special reward if you can beat the, beat the challenge. Uh, and finally, so I'm just kind of reading from my coded document here, uh, a bunch of dot points that I write down during the day as I'm working on, on the project. Um, I've been speaking to a lot of people, or a lot, rather a lot of people have asked me what I'm doing and what I'm working on, and when I say handstand app, the first thing people think about is body alignment, which is really interesting that that's sort of the go-to expectation. I suppose the reason for that is that not many people know about computer vision yet, and it's not really like a common thing to build into apps, especially sport and fitness apps. Most of the sport and fitness apps have just been like tracking apps, like they track the data, they track your weight, they track your workouts, and you, you kind of have to manually put that in. But now we've got, we're on the cusp of a, a transformation in this space where the tracking apps track by themselves. You don't have to do as much of the work anymore. They use computer vision, they use AI, and they do the tracking for you. So I, I guess that's the reason why people just straight away assume that it just um, helps you with alignment. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, not many people can imagine or, en or envision a game. Um, I don't think I'm going to build alignment into, into the app, and certainly not into the prototype. Maybe it could be a premium kind of pro feature down the line, but it's definitely too hard. I put that one in the too hard basket right now because Apple's vision... API that draws the skeleton onto the body is just not good enough yet to draw a very accurate, consistent skeleton for the purposes of alignment. And you get a lot of bang for your buck just from looking back at a video of you doing a handstand. You can see a lot based on just a video. You don't have to you don't have to have a skeleton drawn over the top of it to, to see, to get some information about your alignment. And alignment is also a subtle thing. It's, it's tricky to, to master. And it's definitely one of those things that um, it would be very difficult to get an AI to give you recommendations on how you can improve your alignment. Uh, because it's, it's a lot about like hand position on the ground. It's a lot about like finger position. It's a lot about, uh, shoulder engagement, scapular engagement, um, core, you know, glutes. It's, you need these micro adjustments if you want to, to work on it. And it helps a lot to get someone, a co honestly, a coach is the best thing if you want to improve your alignment because they can touch parts of your body and get you to focus on certain muscles to tense and contract. And um, when you're in it, you can't, you can't see yourself when you're in the handstand. And so that, that, uh, that touch feedback is, is kind of the best way to, to try and understand how to change, how to shift your alignment. Um, and then the second best is to look at your video and 
and see what you're doing and then try yourself to adjust it and then keep doing that loop. Uh, so the, the app will definitely do that. It'll start recording videos when it starts when it detects that you're in a handstand and you'll be able to see see yourself. So yeah, alignment, not really a thing, not really happening, at least not in the beginning. Cool. That's it for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you'd like to join in the Telegram group for the for the show, it's dev90x.com, and the only thing on that website is a link to the Telegram chat. So you can do that. Also, if you'd like to get in contact with me, uh, you can go to my Instagram at Jack Cotton Brown, um, or you can go to the Telegram chat because I'm in that as well. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.